0: The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is proudly presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by L. Alpavorsky Jewelers The Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com/slash Ricky. And stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner Three newsletter with Zoe. StatesideVodka.com. I think they sell this on the site, the Surfside Yeti. There you go. On the show today. Boy, that was just, uh, that was a draining win over the Brooklyn Nets, but ugly wins still count as wins. Was that PJ Tucker's game? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Was it Bball Paul's game? I don't know. We'll have to find out. I sure do know they wouldn't have won without either of those guys. Oh, and by the way, Joel Embiid ended up coming up pretty big, and so did Tyrese Maxey, too. And filling in for Mike, who is on his European honeymoon, but seems to be tweeting as if he's watching the games anyway. <laughs> Uh, just lucky guesses. Yeah, Andrew Underberger sitting in for one Mike Levin. Hey, if you're watching on YouTube live, we do we do the pod live every time we do it, but it is after every playoff game you can watch it. So subscribe to the YouTube. We have now passed 10,000 subscribers. So CJ keeps his job, but subscribe on YouTube. And while you're on YouTube, if you haven't watched it yet, Live Ricky Five is on YouTube. Definitely our best video recording of any of our live shows ever. It was a lot of fun. So you can watch that. I did mention stateside. Now I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I'm drinking stateside because I have made the commitment to only drink when I don't have work the next day. I don't say weekends, because I might have off on a Thursday, drink on a Wednesday, but that's not what's happening. But I do love stateside. I love, when I'm at home, I love Surfside. I love the the, uh, vodka sodas. I'm like a straight stateside guy. No ice, no water, no soda, no anything, just straight. Anyway, the Surfside iced tea and vodka is amazing. All the different flavors, the peach tea, the iced tea lemonade, all that. The sodas are amazing. And just the straight vodka. Go to statesidevodka.com. But you got to be 21 to drink it. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here.
1: Say the name. I say the name. I say the name.
0: We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who acts casual, but isn't a casual. That is one Andrew Unterberger. Welcome to the Ricky AU. Uh, thanks, Spike. Good win.
1: I, 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 I got I got a little rant about this game for later, but right now I just want to say good win. I don't, I don't care about it. Yeah, good win.
0: Good win. Well, all right. There's a lot of things to talk about with this game. I feel like without Mike here, I've left go on the last pod. And I was like, I have something for every guy on this team. Without Mike, I gotta have something for every guy on this team. But I agree with you. It was a good win. Six was covered. Good teams win, great teams cover. Shout out to draft- what, 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 what was the line? Was it 10? 10? It was 10. It was 10. I you know, one thing I thought as I was watching game one, I mentioned in the game one pod, and I've I've continued to think is Sixers are just much, much, much better than the Brooklyn Nets and they cannot dick around. It would be a shame. Last year's Raptors much better than this year's Nets, but I still feel like the last year in that Raptors series, they dicked around a little bit and B ends up getting hit in the face. Like you dick around too much. You play one too many games and bad things happen and they can't dick around. And I thought that this is a series they win in four or five, hopefully four. And even if it's four, there ends up being one game that's a, just a fucking struggle. Like, even if they sweep them, there's one game that's a struggle. This game was a struggle. Even though the final score looks as if the Sixers dominated them, it was a, an incredible like slog in the first half. Um, I, I would make the assertion, and you know that I would, that that one tucker offensive rebound to kick back out to max it changed the game it did it changed the tempo of the game it was a conveniently timed offensive rebound
1: and kick out so you're, you're right this game was a struggle but let me ask you yeah were you ever actually seriously worried about this game like, that, like not not that the Sixers might struggle for the duration of it but that they might finish the game with fewer points than the brooklyn nets
0: i, do, I did and hmm. that might not have been fair because I do not think this, you know, I've been very clear about what I think this Sixers team is capable of. That aside, I have not, I did not give them credit in this game for how they've been different this year. And that is games like this, they would just dribble previously. They would just dribble the ball off their foot until the end of the game, until it's over. They lose by seven. We get on here and we bitch. But, but all year they have been more resilient. Like they've grinded out wins like this that they previously haven't. And they deserve the, I would say the benefit of the doubt that you were giving them. And I didn't, I assume you didn't ever think they'd lose this one.
1: No, I didn't. So I, well, I will, I will say that before the game, I mean, I, I definitely went into the series thinking there was a pretty good chance that they would lose one of the first two at home. Mm-hmm. A matter of fact, uh, we, I, I have that Nets fan coworker that I, I interviewed for the site recently. And I told, you know, I told him before game one, like, good luck on one of your two chances of winning a game in this series. And I, I thought, if they win game one, maybe they'll get one in Brooklyn. If they lose game one, maybe they'll get this game two. If they don't get either, it's, it's done. It's a wrap. Yeah. Uh, and look, the Sixers played not great in the first quarter. Uh, you know, uh, Missed shots, Nets hit a bunch, bad turnovers, couldn't get Embiid going, Harden, we'll certainly talk about him, sure. Uh, and at the end of the quarter, they were tied. And they were worse. They were so much worse in the second quarter. Harden looked like he was playing a different sport than the rest of the guys, not in a good way. Uh nobody was hitting and Bede still couldn't really get on track. Cam Johnson goes nuts. Everything that could go wrong pretty much does. And they're down five. Yeah. Like they should be down 15 if the Nets are a serious team in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and uh, like people are going nuts on Twitter. Charles Barkley's killing them at halftime. This is why I can't take the Sixers seriously, because you know, blah, blah, blah. Last game they were up five. This game they were down five. Within three minutes into the third quarter. Deficit was gone. Sixers had the lead. They didn't give it back. And you know, aside from like some some bucket swapping here and there, this game was never seriously in doubt. I don't think. And, and it wasn't just that the Sixers were going to turn it on. Like you're right that we should give them more credit than we have in past years, but that don't, I don't even think that was what was happening here. I think they're just a better team. The Nets needed to take like advantage of every opportunity they got. They took advantage of some, but not all. And eventually, this game was going to even out, and the Sixers were going to take control. And that's exactly what happened. And, and final score, they won by what, twelve? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, I, I, I think there is only one really, like I mean, obviously a lot of things didn't go right in this game and some things they're going to look at and be not so happy with themselves. There's only one thing about this game that I'm worried about.
0: And you know what what his name is. We'll get to it. I don't want to do it in the, if we do it in the first 25 minutes of the podcast. That's that's, that's why I alluded instead of,
1: instead of Fucking
0: This this is the problem with doing it live is the commenters. I get, I get the (laughs) the comment. Don't worry. We're not going to do the hardened thing in the first 25 minutes of the pod. I, I I want to be fair to Charles and what he said, because I don't think it was unfair what he said, because I wrote down the quote. He said, "A lack of effort and intensity is why I don't trust the Sixers. That is how they looked in the first half. I think you're actually painting the first half with a an incredibly favorable brush. And I, but I, I do think Harden is a lot of that for what it's yeah. Worth. And like if, if you if you take out Harden, look, he's like that. That's like saying if
1: you if you you, you take out a negative thirty when everyone else is sort of breaking even, sure, right. That's that's a big thing, the Harden thing." But I mean, you couldn't You couldn't fault him B for effort when he's grabbing 15 boards in the first half. You couldn't no. fault like Maxi for effort. Like Tobias, even was 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 really getting on the boards and and scrapping and then and doing pretty good stuff even when the shot wasn't going down. I, I think. I is, mean,
0: they they look uh, when they're like that. They look mopey, and I think I think that can sometimes translate to effort. You know, and and yeah. but hard. But to your point, Harden is a is part of that. He's definitely part of that. So why don't we, before we talk about Embiid, because Embiid was, you're you're right, he battled in that first half and it's been a strange series for him because of how they're playing him, but was really excellent in the second half. But before we do that, I do think, I think Maxi, you know, if you were to pick out one player, why they won this game, it's Maxi, And he's done that over the last two years, several times when like the rest of the Sixers just don't have, he's the, like, it seems like he is the guy on offense when everything else is a slog and nobody can get, and they, nobody knows, it doesn't seem, it, it seems like it's the first time they've all played with each other. Maxi is the guy. All, It's almost like the rest of the Sixers being so slow makes him look three times as fast. It's almost like it shocks the other team. Like where the fuck did that guy come from? But he was, he was huge. He was due for it after he had a really, really like really blah first game. I thought he competed on defense. Now look, guarding Spencer Dinwiddie at this point seems like it's guarding like a, like a guy should be playing overseas at this point. He stinks, but I thought he competed on defense, but it's amazing how that like step back into the side corner three has become like almost a guaranteed shot for him. He got to the rim. He finished around the rim. He, he, I, I'd be probably shot four or six free throws. He's not really ever been great at getting to the line. Yeah, I, I think if you were to pick out one guy, aside from PJ Tucker and Paul Reed, if you were to pick out one guy, I thought that this is like the maxi game. I thought he was great. Yeah. No,
1: I mean, every, every game is the b-ball Paul game. I think until it's, it's, like emphatically not like, like, wasn't there one year where you titled every podcast after like an Allison chain song or something? I did a lot of '90s songs. Yes. All right. I, th- I think this is the year where every, every podcast is the b-ball, the b-ball ball game, Paul game until he, until he's just like a negative 20 and like, you know, shoots two for eight or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, Maxie definitely gets the, he, he's the bell ringer for tonight. And the, the thing he does that like, you take for granted maybe on some teams but never on the sixers is that when he gets open three pointers he hits them yeah and like e- even in game one he was definitely not on his game he was kind of kind of sloppy around the basket not, not contributing that much overall but he had three opportunities at wide open threes from the wing and he hit every one of them and like those are such killers when they don't go in and they often find the guys that aren't reliable in hitting them when they find Maxie, he fucking cashes them. And like, that, that's just such a big thing for this team. Plus all the energy stuff. You're, you're, you're 100% right about that. And like, the funny thing is I, I saw Sixers Adam tweet about this and I noticed it too. In the box score, uh, Maxie got to, I think 23 points about halfway through the fourth quarter and still hadn't registered like a single other statistic, like no rebounds, this deals blocks, something like that. And like, we, we talk about Maxi scoring being kind of a luxury on this team sometimes because you know, he sort of plays the same position as Harden in some ways. And like, the, the sort of the speed and the scoring and the shooting is sort of the only things that he contributes. Sometimes, but like <laughs> in a game like this, you see that that's not just like a luxury. That's like a thing you gotta have if you're gonna be a team that kind of competes at the highest levels and and goes up against teams that do have other guys on like that, that play like that. And so and, and, and he he did contribute. He's he's gotten really good at playing that kind of free safety role where he'll tip passes or he'll intercept them out, right. He got he got a, a couple of rebound tips in the fourth quarter that were big, but it's the scoring and that's the only thing we really need from him but we get it from him and, and it, it, yeah, it was, it was unbelievably huge tonight. Great game. Great to see him show up in the series. And I, I, I think he's got a lot more games. like
0: I don't think it's a luxury as much as it is. It doesn't usually come from a starter. And when I've said that he is a, like, he reminds me of a six man. And I, when I talk about him being that, it's just more of like what his job is on the team. And, and by the way, he, he hasn't grown into, being something different than that yet. He's not a great creator. He's not a good defender yet. Like all of those things, his skill set, he belongs starting on the team. I'm glad that he's starting on the team. I'm not campaigning to get him not to start, but I do think on this particular team, his skill set actually fits perfectly because that's what he does. The, the most amazing thing to me, still, I'm just still fucking blown away about how good a shooter he is. And <laughs> I remember. Insane. I remember texting all last year, because I didn't buy it, Clement from Stateside, who goes to like almost every game. And after every game that Maxie would hit, go like four of seven from three, he would text me. He'd go, shot's real. I'd be going, nah, looks like he's throwing a bowling ball up there every time until I think it was probably by the playoffs. I was like, all right, fine. I believe it. And I still even watching it, the ball looks too big for him. Or, or heavy for him or something, but it, it goes in every time. He's become an outstanding shooter and, to your point, really, really dependable. Yeah,
1: and, and there, there was that, like, stretch for about a
0: month, maybe in February, March, where
1: the shooting was starting to get kind of erratic and, like, a lot of the shots were rimming out. And, like, you did have to kind of have the, the moment where you wondered, like, was last season the aberration? Were we just getting mm-hmm. too high on the kid? And, no, I mean, yeah, he was even hotter than he was cold the next month, and now he's now he's tired of some maxi. The
0: Rice right, Ricky Sanchez is brought to you by Big Barker Dogbeds. Uh, CJ, could you go to my Twitter and find the, the birthday tweet about my dog with the pictures? I just want to put up there's a couple of great pictures about my dog. I love my dog. Happy birthday, Rebel. His ninth birthday. Rebel sleeps on a big barker. And because he sleeps on a big barker, he's nine years old, but he runs around like he's two years old. He's a fucking lunatic because the big barker is engineered by experts to keep your dog springy like that. Most dog beds, not beds, not beds. Not beds glorified pillows. You can't sleep on a pillow. You'll wake up with your back hurting and all that kind of shit. Dogs are the same. They need a supportive mattress. And that is the difference with the big barker. There's my wife and Rebel. Happy birthday, Rebel, nine years old. But, but the picture, there's him eating his birthday cake. But the picture with him and the motorcycle, yes. It's the greatest picture my dog <laughs> has ever been taken. Look at that picture, a, you! Yeah. It looks like he's yeah. high. It's an amazing photo taken by my dog, Walker. Happy birthday, Rebel. But that is the difference. It it is a, and you can see when you look at it, go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. The important thing about going to that link is you get the the process pup patches that you put on the bed. You send us a picture. We put them in the process pup gallery, throw them on the Instagram. But when you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, I swear without even touching the bed, you can look at pictures and go, oh, that's different. Oh, when the dog's laying on that bed, it's not, he's not, the dog's not sinking all the way to the ground. Dog's being supported like your mattress is. You sleep on a supportive mattress. You know how you would feel if you go to some shitty Airbnb, you sleep on a bad mattress, you know how you feel. You got to treat your dog the right way. It's your entire job, make your dog's life awesome. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, if your dog doesn't like it, they give you a full refund. They pay for the shipping. It's handmade in the USA. Big Barker Dog Beds. Wow, oh, wow, wow. Yippee-yo, yippee-yo. Ah, that was uninspired. So, Embiid has been such a strange series for him considering the year that he's had, right? Here was a year where he was just a scoring machine. And not just a scoring machine, but sort of different. He's always been a good mid-range jump shooter, but so much of it has come from there, right? So much of, of it has been him facing up from 15 to 17 feet away and and just basically daring the defender to do anything. He shoots it over him. He, you know, pump fakes him, he's, or he's running pick and rolls with Harden. And this series, the Nets have decided they're just not allowing it. And they double team him every time he touches the ball. And aside from a few instances in game one and a few instances in game two, where he forced it, he has taken exactly what the defense has given. And sometimes by the way, he doesn't even create a shot out of that pass out. He just passes it back out to whoever the ball handler is, whether it's maxi, whether it's Harden and then they reset again. But sometimes if they're spaced the right way, which is, by the way, like they should have Embiid only on a side with one other guy who's far away from him. But if they're spaced the right way, they're two passes away from a wide open corner three. Or sometimes if Embiid gets aggressive, they're one pass away from a wide open three or, or even which happened a couple of times during that run in the third, you know, there's a, uh, a, wide open three for Tucker in the corner which they overhelp on that. And then you wind up with Tobias Harris wide open in the dunker spot, which happened a couple of times. And he's been patient and he grinded defensively in both games and he grinded as far as rebounding goes in this game. And then when the Nets just couldn't take it anymore, just the offense really came in the fourth and he just sort of willed points. It was a great game from him. It's an ugly game, but I thought it was a great game from him.
1: Yeah, and, and without, without getting into the Harden part yet, but I, I do want to talk about the sort of Harden and bead pick and roll because whenever things have kind of gone wrong with the Sixers offense in, in earlier parts of the year, we sort of looked at them and go, why aren't they running the pick and roll? Mm-hmm. And this, this series has kind of flipped that on its head where I think we kind of, the, the, the team kind of came alive when they stopped trying to do that in the third quarter. They just had Harden enter the ball to Embiid. He kind of spaced out. Someone would come to help, uh, Embiid would swing, Harden would, you know, either swing to Tyrese or swing to Harden, Harden would probably find the next guy after him, they get an open three out of it. Or or, you know, if, again, like you were saying, like Embiid tries a more ambitious pass, they get a wide open three out of one. But they sort of they sort of solved the nets in this game by kind of removing Harden from the equation and just sort of putting it on Embiid at the nail, not trying any sort of switch hunting or pick and roll action, but just get get him in single coverage, wait till the double comes, bang. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I, I think that even though his stat line didn't look great through three, and yeah, uh, I, I you probably saw the tweet I think from from Mike Lynch that said that he's the first player since 1997 at 15 boards and five assists in the half in the playoff game. Hasn't happened in 26 years, so he was still contributing. It wasn't like he was a non-factor. But yeah, the the the, the points were not there, and there was like a, there was there was a stretch at least in the third quarter where he was getting a little sloppy and you know, trying to force the issue, and end up like eight turnovers, it's too many, obviously. But you're right. It was still a great MVP game, and it's the sort of thing that you know some people might say, you know point to the point to the points and say like how can your MVP only have twelve points through three quarters when he's getting guarded by Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neill? But MVP games kind of come in all shapes and sizes, and kind of have to come in all shapes and sizes over the course of a long playoff run. And so to be able to get twenty twenty and seven or twenty nineteen and seven plus three blocks and all awesome decision making and awesome defense. That's what you want to see out of Joel. You you want to see him not force it. You want to see him take what the defense gives and still be effective and still be the hub of the offense. It was it was a great game. And then yeah, he when it t- came time for him to get his, he got his. There's nothing else to really ask for.
0: I agree. Eight turnovers, too many. It's definitely too, too many, many. Yeah. But I the the only context I want to add, it's too many. It's too many. It's too many. It's too many. I'm saying it out loud. It's too many. The only context I want to give is that like. There, there have not been any games this year in which he has had to pass out of double teams at his spot as many times as he has in the last two games. There's just, there haven't been as many opportunities for turnovers as he's had these last couple of games and he's, He's not Jokic, right? I mean, that's not specifically what he is best at. So while I don't want him turning it over eight times, of course, I think... And by the way, he wasn't the only person sloppy with the ball on the Sixers tonight. No, he he was not. So, but eight turnovers too many, but I think the context is important that he was was doing more with the ball as far as passing goes Mm -hmm. than he has maybe these two games more than any time i don't know in in two straight games as a sixer yeah you know
1: and so, someone in the comments points it out but two of those turnovers came like the the dead last minute of the game you pretty much write those off if it was six instead of eight that doesn't that's bad but it doesn't look quite as bad and, you know so I, it, it's 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 a definitely a forgivable number but there's a, a couple of, you know maybe a one or two fewer trying to you know drive into the double team or you know passing out without real checking to see that there's a guy there first like that sort of thing but but if that's the biggest fault of this MB performance, and it probably is, then that, that's fine. It's still one by fifteen. He was by far the best player in the game.
0: It's rare that a game when Harden and Embiid are playing, that there are a couple of possessions where it's Toby time. And I'm like, well, this seems like the probably their best option right now. But there were a few of those tonight where where they gave the ball to Harris. And I thought, to, you know, 18 feet from the bucket and it was facing up and i just think to myself well at least he he probably won't turn it over he's he's probably going to dribble into a fadeaway 14 footer and he might front rim it he might make it but he's definitely not going to turn the ball over he he had a couple of tough rebounds tonight i thought like he you know there were a couple times where i wish he had shot off the catch right away on three but then there were a couple times when he did i I didn't think, I thought the f- the stats lied in the first game about him playing particularly well, but I don't think they lied in this one. And I thought he played a good game tonight. I thought Harris played a good game tonight.
1: And mostly what I want out of Toby is one bucket at the beginning of the second quarter and one bucket at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I think he got those tonight. Like, I just, yeah, like you're saying, like, there's some times where the, the Sixers shit just isn't working and you need a guy who's just going to take a 50% shot and hope that it goes in. And that's, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
1: what he does. And like, 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 I, when, you, when you put it like that, it sounds like not a big deal, but it kind of is a big deal sometimes. And yeah, the, the offensive rebounds tonight were huge. He was fighting for jump balls. Uh, like he def, he definitely this is definitely like an, an effort Tobias game where you know, you're probably only going to get two or three of those in the course of the postseason. You hope you didn't burn it too early here. But uh, it, look, he he was he was definitely a big reason for the thing for things stabilizing in the third. And a pick six he got off the awful Dinwiddie pass was certainly a, a big momentum swinger. I'm sure not as big as the PJ Tucker offensive, offensive rebound, rebound, but but it was still big and it, it forced the second timeout in two minutes uh, from a coach in a playoff game. So that that was clearly consequential. But like, can we talk about that, please? Like, fucking no. Doc, like calling a timeout a it minute was a good in. Timeout. I it, it was, was a good not time a good timeout. timeout. It worked it was, out. God bless. It was not a good timeout. That
0: timeout is never a good timeout. Did you hear him like on it? the TNC No, 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 no. I've, I've explained this a hundred times. You, you can't, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to do that to you, but they, no, they're not, not, they're not, when they show the coach on TV, they're specifically not allowed to talk, not allowed to use strategy. So, so the only clips they can use, that's why you only hear coaches saying. No, I, I understand that, but that that's still like, if that's all he had to give in that timeout was going. Come on, guys. No, but it's not Come all you had to give. They're not allowed to show when he's talking about what they're changing.
1: It didn't look like he had a lot else going on on that clipboard, no. man. No. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm sorry. You're... I'm not giving Doctor Rivers the benefit of the doubt on that timeout. It you worked. don't call a timeout. The only thing you do. is a, a results system... guy. I'm a results guy. It yeah, worked. Clearly. I'm it's I'm... only you call a timeout a minute into the third just to piss off your fucking team. I guess it worked. You know, if, if, if P.J. doesn't get that offensive rebound and uh, it just comes out of a Tyrese miss to start to start the possession, I don't know that that's really that great shakes. I, I I can't stand it. And the only thing that redeemed it was that Jacques Vaughn called me called a stupider fucking timeout a minute later. It's it's, it's the dumbest thing that coaches do. And I'm, I'm like you, I'm not an anti-coach guy. I think Doc's played a generally good series so far. I think he's generally been pretty good to end the season. This drove me fucking nuts. I wish I wish he was kind of cut that out. I wish he had, there should be like a, a designated assistant that like when they see Doc, like getting in his his hands in the T motion with a minute, Lumber like with, with 11 minutes left it in the third worked. quarter,
0: just, just goes and tackles him or something. It's so stupid. It worked. I'm sorry. It worked. I like results. Before we get to Harden, which isn't even going to happen until after the second spot, so everybody can relax. I do think, I know you're going to laugh because you're, you're casual and you're wrong about him. I do think that Tucker has shown in both of these games and Paul Reed, by the way, in this game too, the energy of both of those guys was if you take Maxie's energy offensively and you say, put it into offensive rebounds and defense and that sort of stuff, that's what Tucker and Paul Reed are doing. Like it is that frenetic energy. It's getting, getting rebounds that nobody else will get. Paul Reed had, had a couple of great offensive rebounds, had one tie up where he didn't get the offensive rebound. Then he ended up getting a a jump ball out of it, had a couple of big buckets and Tucker did not score, but he had a couple of really important offensive rebounds. And I think it is meaningful and it is notable in Tucker, in this case, that you're in a starting lineup where, you have one guy who scores 33 a game. You have another guy who's one of the best scorers of all time. You have another guy who's scoring 15 a game and he's angry that he's only scoring 15 a game. <laughs> you have Maxi who's scoring 20 a game. You just, there's, it's nice to have a guy who does not need any stats to, to make a difference. And I just thought, oh, I, I appreciate his devotion to the cause and not getting those stats to prove that point, but yeah, they, no, look, he, they won again
1: you're right uh and i, I don't i don't want to get too much on pj it infuriates me when he when he goes whatever over four from three uh but he at least took the shots like the only the only, the only times i really get on pj are when he's, he's just pump faking pump faking and driving to nowhere with three seconds left on the clock when yeah maybe like there was a guy within five feet of his airspace but he probably still could have gotten the shot off if he has a cold shooting game that's gonna happen i'm not gonna kill him too much for that i i do man that the the, the the layups when he kind of does the up and unders around the basket with the, with the shot clock expiring. No, we're
0: not doing but the but, hating. I'm going to turn you know, it off. You, know, you yeah. know what?
1: You know what it looks like. Just allow me this one comparison, and then I'll get off and I'll, I'll move to much happier subjects with Paul Reed. It looks like like did you ever like used to go bumper bowling when you were a kid and you knew you couldn't shoot it straight on, so you just kind of caromed it as hard as you could into one of the bumpers and hope that it would kind of angle its way into the pins at at some point. If you just kind of got the crazy angle going and it had it going back and forth, back and forth that's what it looks like when he shoots those layups It's just like he he has no aim or sort of approximate idea of where he's actually shooting it, but he's just going to hurl it off the thing and hope that eventually he gets the right bounce on it. Uh, but look, it it was a good PJ game. Those offensive rebounds were very huge. I mean, it wasn't a good game, but it was an acceptable game, whatever.
0: Paul Reed is, is, is,
1: is, a beautiful, beautiful soul, Paul Reed. Uh, and then the thing that like maybe gets lost in the shuffle too often with Paul Reed because he's such a wild man sometimes. And because he occasionally, like throws the ball away trying to leave James Harden on the fast break and, and, and does silliness like that. He's got touch and he's got finesse. Like he has a, there's a control to his game now, not just in his movements, but in like the way he, the, the way he lays the ball up now it, it, it is so like compared to someone like PJ, who's just kind of hurling it off the thing. Like he's got like a little kind of like, like finesse to it now. It's a little kind of smoothness.
0: Yeah. And, I- I think the thing that he he doesn't know quite when the right time to do that stuff is, but he does seem to be more skilled and have touch than than you would guess for a guy whose biggest claim to fame right now is like grinding. Is like Yeah, like
1: like, like energy guys like Reggie Evans, right? Like he yeah. can't
0: do anything that
1: that, re- that revol that, that that revolves around like a certain degree of like microscopic ability and he just doesn't have those other skills that aren't based on effort and hustle, but Paul Reed does like Paul and that's why you kind of trust him to actually evolve his game out a little bit uh, moving forward. Probably not so much the course of course this playoffs, but he's, he's, he's so good. He like, like you just got to laugh sometimes at how good he is. Like, the, the and the, the, and, and like did you, did you hear them talking on the broadcast about like how he had to beat out Montrezl Harrell for the backup <laughs> center spot? And like, wow, like what a triumph over adversity, beating out fucking corpse Montres Harrell for the backup center spot. Unbelievable.
0: The, the the block on Dinwiddie at the end of the third was monstrous. The high five with Doc, I don't know if you saw that. Oh. Oh, was I saw incredible. it! Incredible, the two-handed high five,
1: and then it looked like he wanted to bear hug him. He had his <laughs> arms out like that. I thought they were going to see like this, this sort of like Rocky three embrace. It, it was it was unbelievable.
0: <laughs> and then the other thing, and I don't know if anybody else caught this, but it's probably my favorite moment of the entire Sixer season so far. D-ball Paul gets called for an offensive foul. Gets <laughs> called for an illegal screen. He immediately, as if he's Embiid, calls. For a replay, he's he's calling for a replay. Paul Reed, as if they care if Paul Reed falls out, falls out. I love you, B-ball. Calls for the replay. Doc is not even looking at him; is just yelling something else. And you see Dwayne Deadman on the bench laughing, doing the replay signal. It is. The best moment of the season. Dead. I love Deadman now for cracking up about for noticing that. I love Paul Reed for calling for a, a replay, and I love yeah. Doc for ignoring him. I, I think we might
1: owe uh, Daryl an apology. That clearly it was worth it to get Deadman just for that one moment on the bench <laughs> yeah. and making fun of <laughs> making
0: fun of Paul Reed doing the fucking finger twirl. That that was that was a beautiful moment. Yeah, I agree. uh So we had. The Rice Ricky Sanchez, we'll talk about Harden in a second. The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We had two same game parlays today. I don't think either of them hit, but that's okay because we won the game. The first one, well, maybe we got, no, we didn't. Um, No, we didn't get it at all. (laughs) You can make your own same game parlay instead of doing ours. The first one was Harden over nine and a half assists. PJ Tucker won three. Embiid over 32 and a half and maxi over 18. But you can make your own same game parlay at DraftKings Sportsbook. And then I did a B-Ball Paul and PJ Tucker same game parlay at plus 1,400. Look, you keep adding more legs. The odds keep going up. It's fun. I threw 10 bucks. It was plus 1,400. I didn't get it but I had a good time. We love DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Use promo code RTRS if you are a new customer. Make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score 150 bucks in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, even if you're not a new customer, a no sweat same game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. You open the app, opt in, place the same game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you get a bonus bet back up to $10. There you go. So if you can lose your PJ Tucker, same game parlay and get your money back. Download the app now. Sign up with code RTRS. New customers make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 bucks in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code RTRS. Gotta be 21. See show notes for details. You ready for the uh, hardened conversation? Ugh. All right. So game one, he hits, what he hit? Seven threes, I think. Seven yeah, to seven to 13. Yeah. And did the game one pod with Adam Lefko. And we were talking about how those threes were great, but he was one of eight from two. He got blocked three times. And I didn't want to be, so I'm known as an anti Harden guy. I'm not anti, I just, I don't quite believe. But we, we noted like, he didn't seem to have much lift around the rim and he hit the threes which are great but if the threes don't go down you get a little worried and then in this game you tell me if I'm wrong but he reminded me of the game six Miami Harden yep. and I don't I'm not I know this is like projecting but he looked scared he looked like he was throwing the uh, game.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm jumping off at that point. Uh,
0: He's dribbling the ball off his foot in the, we're talking about the fourth quarter. He's basically giving the ball to somebody else, every possession to run the offense. He just, he had nothing, man. I mean, he was, he was dribbling the ball out of bounds. He was, and all of these things make the walk the ball up the court and just past the half court line at, seven, at 16 and a half seconds so you don't get the eight second uh, thing, like more annoying when he's doing these things. I don't know what is going on with him, but he like, that dude looked like he was trying to lose the game, man. I mean, he oh. was fucking terrible. He was I, I, terrible. He hasn't shot a free throw AU in two playoff games. He did not shoot a free throw in, uh, I'll find the guy who found, who pointed this out on Twitter, didn't shoot a free throw in game six against the heat either. Mm-hmm. So there's three consecutive playoff games. He hasn't shot in a free throw. in. in every single game he's played as a sixer, he's shot at least one, one free throw every single regular season game. How does this guy who is the most legendary free throw grifter of all time, not shoot a free throw in two games, man? He looked bad, man. He looked bad.
1: Yeah, and I, I'll push back on the the, the game six of Miami comparisons by saying that uh, that game was actually a lot better than this one. Like people forget now that he was actually like pretty good through the first half of that game. Ended up not mattering at all because they got blown out in the second half. Uh, he was awful almost from the jump in this one. He he had one good possession at the very beginning where he caught Nick Claxton on a switch, got by him, knew that Claxton was going to cover ground, so he kind of put him on his hip and then just kind of burst to the rim and finished before he had the chance to recover. I, I actually thought that, that was that was like a really encouraging start to the game. And then I think maybe on the next drive, uh, he he didn't get the call he wanted and he was sulking to the ref. And they scored on the other end while he was playing speaking slogan back on defense. And then it just kind of deteriorated from there. And we've, we've talked a lot about how, you know, the narratives with Harden kind of get swung by whether or not he's hidden the three. And we, we, we saw in the last game, like you couldn't really feel good about that game, but still, you know, he got the post game interview because he hit all those threes and, People wanted to talk about how, like, you know, it proves the Harden was back, proves that he's in good shape, whatever, but it, it clearly wasn't totally there yet. And this one, I, I wasn't even as concerned by the physical constraints by the fact that he just played shitty, like, and, and he kind of played, like, pissy. Like, both shitty and pissy, that's, that's bad. But uh, he, like, started, yeah, he, he didn't get the calls he wanted. He started sulking, started getting really sloppy, started getting really lazy on defense. And it was interesting. Like, I'll be very curious to hear his quotes from after the game because they definitely made a pronounced move in the second half. I mean, I talked about this a little bit already, but they took him off the ball. And there was, a, I don't know if you saw, there was one possession with maybe two or three minutes to go in the fourth where and B like waved for him to get the ball to Maxi, so they could do the two-man and Harden could go stand on the wing and do nothing. Like I, I And to a certain extent, the fact that he was able to do that and, and say, okay, I don't have it tonight. Clearly, I'm in a foul mood and just kind of shit in the bed or whatever. Uh, the fact that he was able to kind of recognize that and say, okay, you guys take care of this one and I'll see you in game three.
0: Technically, it's a good thing. Like, I'd rather oh, that than that him. Is a, than- that is a kind... Yeah, yeah
1: I know, it's cowardice, that is loser kind shit, whatever.
0: a read of, uh, you, you, hey, you guys are... That's okay, you guys take this one. And it worked because the team... <laughs> if, you're, if you're a fucking results guy,
1: man, you should be happy with the results here because they won the game by 12 and, and Maxi lit him up and Embiid got his eventually with Harden just kind of sitting there nice and, 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 you know... Shooting went open, but but I I've, I'm really curious to hear what he has to say. I, I feel like we might get another one of those "oh, the ball didn't find me" type quotes. And like, if we're getting into this territory in Game Two of the fucking Net Series, like that does not bode well for the Celtics or the Bucks or whoever else still to come in this playoffs. Like that, th- this was a really 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 bad hardened game, and the fact that he just didn't totally submarine it in the third and fourth quarters is the nicest thing that I have to say about it. And that's not good.
0: It's not good at all. Uh, a couple of other notes. I hope George Nyang is enjoying his time in the net series because he's not going to play one second against the Celtics. Fucking
1: better not now. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Jalen McDaniel's had a great game one and not a great game two.
1: No, it, it, the the most the, the only memorable thing from this Jalen McDaniel's one is him biffing the wide open uh, alley oop. Yeah. Uh, uh, even by Jalen Jalen McDaniel's standards, I'm not sure how that one happened. That was very strange.
0: And what was the other one? Oh, uh, what's his face? Uh, wait, McDaniel's Yang. Who am I forgetting? Melton. Melton oh. had a good game. Good Melton game. Yeah, I just I don't like when he dribbles more than twice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that, that's one of those things where it's another thing where like that, that's like the opposite of what we we're talking about with the bias. Where like sometimes you just need to bias to get you a bucket. Yeah. Milton probably thinks to himself, "Okay, sometimes I just need to kind of score around the basket when I'm contested, and that's just not true." Uh, the other one's true. That one's not true. AU, hey, you, do you want to? We we. Oh, have, sorry. Can, can, can I can yeah. I can I talk about some Nets things before we move on? Quick quick. <laughs> Sure, so you you talked about Spencer Dinwiddie like basically playing like he should be in China
0: right now. Like, do you remember that like two to three years ago, this was one of the ultimate, like, he always kills us guys? Yes, he was, but he's he is at least 28 to 33 percent slower than he used to be. He is, I don't understand, really slow. Well, he's he's probably what 31 at this point. Is how old is Spencer Dinwiddie? I guess he's probably around there, but his numbers were always really good in Dallas. Like, I mean,
1: they made it to the fucking conference right. finals last year with him, with him. He's like their second or third best player. Like the, he the, was the not their second best player, Jalen third, Brunson. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's Jalen Brunson, but Brunson wasn't even really getting the opportunities that he, that he is now. And, and only really in like the first couple of games without Luca in that, in that mass playoff run, obviously still a better player, but, but yeah, like, like he was an important guy on an important team last year. The fact that he's fallen this far, this quickly is pretty, pretty staggering to me. Uh, and even worse is Joe Harris, who is like the least like fear inducing guy behind the arc somehow in, in, in the NBA sure. right now.
0: I was talking to Evan about I, I work with two massive Nets fans, one being Keith McPherson, who who was on the pod, but Evan Roberts. And I asked Evan about Joe Harris and because he was good a couple of years ago. He still he thinks there's an injury thing going on. Harris no. is so I, I because he used to be a pretty decent defender and obviously a great shooter, and he thinks there's an injury thing going on with Harris, which I might think he got shut
1: me. down by JJ Redick in the playoffs when we played him with four years ago. I don't know what his excuse yeah. was then, but uh, and just real quick, Nick Nick Claxton, like I, I thought he was going to be a nightmare for us in this series. Like my biggest fear, I wrote about this in the roundtable, was just him and Daron uh, Sharp just like picking off 20 offensive rebounds a game, taking them back out to shooters. It just hasn't happened. Like we remember how much respect and love we had for this guy, like when. And that, in that one Ben Simmons game where he just kind of played and beat to a draw he's and good. here it's like, he's barely, he's barely even on the court in the series.
0: Well, the, but the other thing that's happened is if, if they're doubling and beat every time it may like, what is Claxton supposed to even be doing at that point? I guess he's, it's a, a weird series for him, but I agree with you. I, I want to be clear, by the way, in the round table, Sixers, Adam asked who besides Mikael Bridges, should you be scared of on the Nets? And I said, you should be scared of nobody, including Mikael Bridges. And I wanted to be clear that I said that you're still not scared of Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson is good. I'll give credit. Coworker, Pat Boyle, who I work with, Pat Boyle looked me dead in the eye today. And he said, Cam Johnson is going to score 30 tonight and the Nets are going to win. And I was like, all right, buddy, whatever. And it, Looked like he Close. might have had a shot at one point there. Like, yeah, he, he's the
1: scariest kind of shooter because he can shoot with like just his fingertips. Mm-hmm. It feels like he doesn't even have to totally catch the ball to to have a catch and shoot three. And those dudes fucking terrify me. I, I, I. Like I, I yeah, like Burke exactly. May, maybe that that that's his ceiling as an NBA
0: player. That's maybe four or five years from now down the road. He can he can he could be as good as Kirk. Uh, We have some great uh, voicemails and emails to get to. We will do that right after we talk about L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. That's right. The first sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. At some point, once the playoffs are over, we're going to have to talk about um, not only did he get the question wrong at Live Ricky Five, the spike guy about how many engagement rings L.L. has sold. I don't think that guy's ever heard the podcast before. That's the biggest fraud that's ever been at a live Ricky before. That guy, <laughs> that guy was even rougher on Rewatch, man. Yeah, yeah. it was like he, he definitely, he had the Scott Bakula, you're probably wondering how I got here, like quantum leap face <laughs> the entire time. LL <laughs> Paborski-Joy was the first sponsor of the Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast. The original, the OG, has sold 320 engagement rings to Right to Ricky Sanchez listeners, and we love him. Every person who goes to LL for an engagement ring is thrilled, fucking thrilled, can't believe that uh, the, the process of buying an engagement ring was that enjoyable. I'm not even bullshitting. That it, it, it's something that will stress almost everybody out and LL makes it easy. One of the things he does is like, he wants an appointment with everybody who comes in. He wants to be able to spend time with you. And whether you're spending $1,000, $100,000, whatever it is on an engagement ring, you are treated excellent. I love LL. I think he bought like 10 posters, by the way, at Live Ricky 5. Two guys a fucking lunatic. 707 Walnut is where the store is at, where it's been for 35 years now. If you want to make an appointment, 215-627-2252. By the way, if you're not in the area, that's cool. You can do everything over FaceTime, everything over Zoom. He's done that with a bunch of listeners as well. 215-627-2252. Email him, lee at com or tweet at him at llpavorsky. Lee is a generous supporter of Providence Animal Center and Community Fridge, our charities. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Uh, both as wild and as smooth as Paul Reed. There you go. Writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com is where you email us. We give some emails and voicemails. This comes from Patrick. Hey, Spike, Mike, and CJ. Do you guys miss the trust the process chant during the playoffs? They seem to have been replaced with MVP chants once Joel became a serious contender for the award. I kind of wish the chant would have become a tradition that lives on for decades after the process. Once Joel wins MVP, should we bring it back? I hadn't thought I, about them in a while. I do miss it a little bit. It was kind of neat that it happened, I guess.
1: I mean, I, I miss, like, chance at the games in general. There's been, like, a sort of lack of energy. Like, aside from B-Ball Paul and, ref, like, the refuse Suck that we're bound to get uh, every game, uh, there's just been a sort of lack of of ingenuity and creativity with the the chance in the crowds these days. I just don't have the energy for it. I guess they're, they're saving for the Celtics series, maybe. Hopefully they'll show up then. But by the way, I, 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 uh, I conducted a Twitter poll uh, before game one Asking yes or no, will the Sixers get booed on their home court at some point uh, during the first two games of the series? Seventy uh, percent of people said yes, and they they were rewarded for their faith uh, during the second quarter today when I think the, the, the Sixers went down ten into a timeout
0: and they they, they got the uh, they got the Bronx cheer. The the B ball Paul chant is one of the greatest moments in process history. Very good, especially coming the the story of B ball Paul. And then I hate to involve us in the story, but we are involved in the <laughs> you B-ball hate to Paul involve story to involve us in the story. Yeah. Well, we are involved in the B Ball Paul story. And the fact that we just that we were scared to have him at live, Ricky, even though we knew we needed to have him because we were scared that he might get traded. And then and then we premiere it on the internet before the B Ball Paul chant game. The B Ball Paul chant is an amazing moment. It's not gonna be the last time either. Well, it'll happen at least one more time, I suppose. Uh, 833 lickface is the voicemail number. Uh oh, I'm gonna make sure this works before I even try it so I don't screw it up again. There we go, and we are connected. No, yes, 833 lickface. Hey, Spike, uh, CJ, and whoever is filling in for Mike right now. Let's just make a wild assumption that the Sixers somehow make it out of the East. Who would you want to be the representative from the West? and why? I have a feeling that for me, and it's gross to say, that it's the Lakers, because that way, if we win, it's awesome. But also if we lose, like we lost to LeBron, and I kind of feel like somehow I could be like, well, it was just meant to be because it's LeBron. And my non-basketball question is irrelevant. Uh, I don't know, like, you know, what drink do you want? I don't know, but whatever. Uh, Trust the process. Thanks. Bye. Well, AU, big question. What drink do you like? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, If, If you had the Sixers in the finals, who would you prefer to face? I, I mean, the the, I, the
1: the the real answer is that I don't fucking care. Like, if, if we get to the finals, and oh. it's it's all found money. I, I, I like
0: this it, is the like idea, doing a podcast with Mike. Can you answer? Well, a it's, question. Like, it's like the
1: person. There's, like, there's the call. I will maybe eventually. There's a caller a few months ago who was like, oh like oh we're you know what's gonna happen, right? We're just gonna get to the finals and lose, and it's gonna be terrible because like well, those sports teams always get to the finals and lose. Give me the fucking loss in the finals to absolutely anybody, and I will be pleased as punch. I do not care. Uh, but that said, I'll I'll take I don't know the, the Timberwolves the, if they if they somehow injury injury luck their way through three series wins I'll I'll take them in the finals and easy easy path to victory of the actual like contending teams uh, I guess it would be fun to play the Nuggets we have a pretty good chance against them blah blah whatever uh, I don't want to play LeBron I I very 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 much hope that the Lakers lose in the series it's probably not going to happen at this point uh, I, I, I I I need less LeBron in my life and, and I, I am hoping for a first round of-
0: the answer is Denver and the loser answer is the Lakers to say that you want them to play the Lakers because in case they lose, they lost to LeBron mm-hmm. this nope. fucking LeBron with, with, with this fucking lo- bunch of fucking losers. Absolutely not. If they lost to this Lakers team, they're like an eight seed or something. It's, no, I'd, I'd be fine with them playing the Lakers. I agree with you. I could use less LeBron, but not because it would be okay to lose to them. But the-, it would the def- definitely not be okay to lose to this Lakers team. No. And the, the, the answer is the fucking Nuggets. The answer is the Nuggets. The answer is the Nuggets. 833 lick faces is the phone number.
1: We were right. We were so fucking right, Spike. I know there's a lot you are right about right now, but we were fucking right about PJ Tucker- King shit, pancake king, love our guy. This is weekly Becky.
0: Hey, AU. <laughs> she has to clarify the end of that message. I was, I was really struggling to
1: put my finger on who that caller was, but I'm glad that she identified herself. Uh, no, I mean, shouts to Weekly Becky. Happy for her. Uh, not a PJ Tucker guy. He's had one good game in the series, one okay game. Let's let's not. We're not on the PJ Tucker victory tour just yet. Let's 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 stick with Paul Reed for a little while longer.
0: AU. Hey, a casual. That's right. Uh, Um. wait, there's one. I'm actually curious to get your, this is something that we'll have to read to Mike once Mike gets back. This comes from Luke, writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Greetings, Spike, Mike, and CJ. I had a great time at the live Ricky last night. It was my first live event with all you, and I feel like you pulled it off. Thanks for the entertainment and laughs and Sixers insights. Anyway, when I saw CJ for the first time, I was oddly starstruck, but I also immediately sized him up. I told the friend I was with, there was no way that CJ is six foot before I even saw your large roller. I did not even get close to him, but even with his boots on, I could tell he was not six feet. This is because I am a solid six feet tall with no shoes or anything. I do not, quote, round up. I am the height I claim to be. I have noticed over a long time that many people do this, quote, rounding up, especially if they're 5'10 or 5'11. CJ fessed up to this ultimately, which is appreciated. Many people... Who are in actuality 5'10 or 5'11 see me to suggest that I am 6'1 or 6'2 and become dismayed when I look slightly down on them and I explain to them I'm actually six feet. Anyway, on to my concern of conspiracy. How tall does Mike claim to be? Mike came up to CJ during the measuring and gave him what I felt like was a generous assessment of 5'11 and 3'8. I feel like this was a conspicuously specific measurement and may actually have more to say about how Mike feels about his own height. To give CJ 5'11 and 3'8 suggests to me that Mike claims something around 5'10 when he's actually 5'9. Please excuse the deep dive here into something that ultimately does not matter at all. But this is part of what makes the Ricky fun to me. I, I thought
1: Mike actually said, I thought Mike, didn't Mike say that he was six feet at the podcast?
0: That did he? Least si- Mike is not six feet.
1: He said, I, he said something. What did he say?
0: I think he said five eleven, and I will, eleven either, and He's I will say I, I will say you're I think you're taller than him, spike. I am taller than him and I'm, then, I, my my assessment has always been about him I'm about an inch or so taller than Mike. I'm definitely taller than Mike, yeah. so are you are you an even six? me no, I'm yeah. like five ten and a half oh
1: <laughs> do you still have the the gigantic ruler? do you have to return that to the store or something? Can we bring it out the next slide? CJ has it
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll bring it out next time I see Mike to get this squared away. Yeah.
1: Um, By the way, my girlfriend had the best line about CJ's height, which is that he uh, he's he's a tinder six feet.
0: (laughs) Respect. That's right. (laughs) That's very funny. And final voicemail. I wasn't going to be able to get to this one if the Sixers lost, but now that they won, I can get to this one. Spike, listen. You got to leave Ben Simmons alone. The best revenge is living well. You were right. Congratulations. We got to watch a once promising young athlete's mental health decline over the course of five years. Let it go. He's not on the team anymore. He doesn't want to play basketball. And you have a successful podcast. And you have a better working relationship with NBA GMs more so than he does. Let it go. Basketball question What event needs to happen for you to stop talking about Ben Simmons? Non basketball question Are you okay, dude? You got a lot of anger at a guy. 20 years younger than you who hasn't done anything to you directly besides console your father when his dog died. Anyway, love the pod. Take care. You don't need to know my name. Bye. So I took this audio and I put it through a chat GPT four and it spit this out. (laughs) 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 You don't need to know my name. The poem wasn't about Ben Simmons. It was about you, dickhead. (laughs) Because you obviously were one of those losers who kept telling me I was wrong, whether it was Twitter or fucking email. You don't need to know my name. Let me ask you this. Here's my question. It's rhetorical, but if anyone on the pod wants to answer, you can answer. If Ben Simmons was playing on the Nets and averaging 24, 10 and eight, like a little LeBron, and the Nets had won 56 games, do you think anybody would be asking me what I think of Ben Simmons? Of course, every fucking day, they would ask me what I think about Ben Simmons. I gotta hear about Matisse Theibel anytime he hits one three-pointer in a fucking game. I gotta hear about Charles Bassey, who's playing in the G League. Every time I got to hear about Isaiah Joe, who's averaging 16 minutes a game. I promise you, if Ben Simmons was even a functional basketball player, which he was masquerading as for two weeks this year, I would hear from your boring ass about Ben Simmons. That poem was about you. I actually, we, we, we got to see a, a young man's mental health. Shut the fuck up, you boring loser. I just like, this is sports, and you dickheads bothered me for three years. The poem was about you. Ben Simmons has a lot more to show for Ben Simmons' career than you do. And I promise you that if Ben Simmons was good, I would never hear the end of it. It would be on my gravestone. Didn't think Ben Simmons was good. It would be in my obituary. Spike Eskin, who had a long career, didn't much matter because he didn't think Ben Simmons was good. I'm sorry. It wasn't me. It was everybody else. It was you. It was Mike. It was fucking everybody else who was too cowardly to say what they saw. So,
1: you oh, fucking speaking baby. Of, speaking of, though. I don't our, have our, to
0: give my name. Shut up. You're fucking calling our voicemail line that says lick face on it to fucking shame me? To shame me? And final, final. And then then your, your point here. You asked the question, what has to ha- happen for me to stop talking about Ben Simmons? I have to die. I have to die. I'm going to talk about it forever. I don't think you understand what happened here. No name. That guy ruined an entire season of James, uh, of Joel Embiid's prime. That guy for no injury, For no other reason other than he didn't want to play here, he blamed the fans, he blamed the organization, he blamed his teammates, and he tanked an entire season of Joel Embiid's career. Who knows? If he had played, maybe we even get a better trade package for him than Harden. Like, who knows what the future is if that guy doesn't... He, He did his best to ruin the organization and everything that we sat through. I'm sorry that he's having such a tough time. Generally. Genuinely, I'm sorry, but I'm never going to stop talking about him. Never, ever. Not as long as I do this podcast. Never, ever, ever. When he retires, I'm going to do 20 straight minutes. So, All right. (laughs) Sorry. So,
1: yeah, two quick things. Uh, First off, uh, two games into the series, still don't think his name's been mentioned once on the broadcast. It's
0: amazing, isn't it? That he's on the Nets and it's not even a mentioned story. Yeah.
1: It's wild. Uh, and second, I wanted to ask you how you're coping with the loss of Tyler hero.
0: in These playoffs. Uh, it's a bumper. Now here's the thing. I know he, br- they haven't ruled them out. Have they the right? Hand sounds pretty ruled out to me, but well, it, who knows what the, 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 the break is like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, uh, I know Giannis got hurt and they'll probably lose the season, lose the series four one Miami, like Milwaukee will yeah. come back. But just watching that fucking game on Sunday was a nice little reminder. The the Nets finished one game better than, than the heat. And there was, they had a tiebreaker or whatever, but we were two games away from having to play them. The Sixers would have beat the heat, but we really lucked out not having to play the heat because that team like grinds. They do. We would have beat them, but it would have been ugly, you know? Yeah, and for people
1: still losing their minds over being down five to half in this game, Milwaukee loses game one, Phoenix loses game one to underman Clippers team, like, we're up 2-0. No one got hurt. It's fine. Yep.
0: But did you... Man, I don't think he can do it all playoffs because I, I just don't think he has it physically anymore. But watching Kawhi against the Suns was bringing it <laughs> Better back. Better than us, man. Better than than us. Oh, my God. He's so good when he's good. He's He's honestly... There's so much of his game that is like the second three Pete Jordan, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. just so much about the way he plays that is like that. He is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. I gotta die. I gotta die. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be an emergency
1: podcast waiting to happen. I don't know who's gonna call Mike when you die to do the emergency podcast, but that's gonna be okay.
0: good. <laughs> He'll never talk about on. Right after I die, if there's one more podcast, I just want you guys to mention Ben Simmons one last time on the pod. All right. Okay. Well, we are, the Sixers are up 2 Nice. The Sixers return Thursday night. And then could close it out theoretically on Saturday. What do you think is going to happen here? A U gentleman sweep still. What did you call the lose the first game? The douchebag sweep. Douchebag
1: sweep. That, that's not me. That's a, that's uh, a basketball Jones slash starter slash. Uh, I can't remember where they are now. But uh, but yeah, that, that's that's their invention, and it's a perfect name for it. LeBron used to be the fucking king of the douchebag sweep. Like yeah. they'll lose one game to the Pacers, and then obliterate them for four straight. Now I think I think they got both these games at home, They're getting both the games in Brooklyn too. The, the, the Nets had their chances, so.
0: Okay. Good. We will talk to you Thursday night. Oh, I still got to figure out who's hosting with me Thursday night. Maybe I'll just play that voicemail and talk about Ben Simmons for 48 minutes. Uh. <laughs> uh, or, or it could be another J.J. Reddit game, off we'll to if say. You yeah, you, you never know. Uh, we I will don't talk don't to you next you. time. Thanks for listening. Thank you, A.U., for being on the podcast. Are you down if with I TTP?
1: With
0: you. Yeah, you know, look this. If you don't fuck with me,
1: then, then I, won't I won't fuck with you. you. With you. If you don't fuck with me, then when I win, I, I, I won't fuck, fuck you. with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's for friend